0: On the prompt.
1: But you know, the kids could use the Mac Pro as a toy to, like, to make it roll on the floor. That would be fun. (laughs) Like
0: a beach ball. Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is February the twenty-sixth. 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vittici. Hi Federico. Hi Mike. How are you?
1: I'm doing, I'm doing very well actually, yeah.
0: Good, good. And Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello sir.
2: Hello sir. You okay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just checking. Just I feel checking. bad. We never ask how you are.
1: Well, yeah. you know,
0: I understand. It's fine. Yeah, because we always just,
1: assume that Mike is fine because uh, I don't know because he's like the the podcasting boss. I don't know. Stiff upper lip and all that, you know.
2: Yeah, it it is nice to hear the date read out by you instead of me.
1: I
0: um oh I just remembered I wasn't on last week's episode. I enjoyed last week's episode very much. It's nice to be Good. a listener of the of the world's greatest podcast sometimes. Y- yeah. You know, we're missing out on like the the greatest podcast in the world by having recorded it. We do not get to listen to it. <laughs>
2: so, so. <laughs> Somewhere some people are dying that you keep saying that phrase. Oh,
0: I know. I know. Um so that's why I've, I've made Well, if say you it a bunch if you time.
1: keep if you say it enough times, it becomes true. Well, it well, is true. It, it it is true. Yeah. Uh um, yeah, you're
0: right. But I, yeah, I really enjoyed last week's discussion. Um, hey, and thank you. It is always fun, Stephen, to hear to hear you introduce the show because it sounds strange to me.
2: Yeah, I listened back um, over the weekend actually, and because uh, pre- today is really part two of last week's conversation. And uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> actually in the time between like Wednesday and Saturday I had forgotten that I like you weren't here. So like, I'm only like half listening to the intro, and then I hear my voice. And I'm like, what is happening? So. Anyways, one day,
1: I will, one day I will introduce the show in Italian, and you guys won't know what is going on. You should do but it now. My, fr- my friends will. Yeah. Right.
0: Why don't, why don't okay. you, how would that sound? Just give us a taste. How would it sound if you introduced the show in
1: Italian? Ah, <laughs> there be... Buonasera a tutti, è il 27 febbraio e stato ascoltando un nuovo episodio di The Prompt.
0: Let's just do the whole show in Italian. <laughs> it sounds so much better than it's it February twenty sixth. Welcome <laughs> to the prom. <laughs> well, I actually said that it's uh, that
1: it's the twenty seventh because it's the twenty seventh for me. Well then so. you know, there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah, so I'm like living in the future.
0: Is that, is that what it's like?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 feels super strange, yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh we should do the world's greatest follow up. Follow up.
0: <laughs> sounds like an excellent idea. <laughs>
2: Mike, you put some notes in the world's greatest Google document about App Store curation. (laughs) Oh, 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 I snorted and everything. (laughs) Wow. (coughs) So App Store curation, Mike, you had something you wanted to say.
0: Yeah, so from being a listener, I got to do some actual real follow-up. So I was able to send in feedback to the show. So um, you guys were talking a lot about um, Federico, this was, I think, in, it was in response to how you were talking about um, the sections and the category pages that get put into the App Store, right? Yeah. And how um, you think that they could be beefed up a lot and that the, that you refer it to Beats Music and how mm-hmm. they have their own like people that work out playlists and stuff like that. So this made me think about how I, I think that... Um, Apple's team that manage the iTunes Music Store seem to be more like in tune with this sort of stuff. Like, for example, they have like artists and collections in place when they're like our award ceremonies. So, like when there's the Grammys and stuff, or in the UK we just had the Brit Awards, which is where I was last week. And um, then the next day on the iTunes Store, they have all of the winners. They have all of their albums there. Mm-hmm. They have content from the night before and stuff like that. Um, and if if Somebody prevalent in the music industry dies. They put their music up and they have like a banner Mm -hmm. there like the next day. And I remember many years ago, they used to have a music currently on TV type thing as well. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I remember that.
0: And uh, they also have, I mean, they they do this in the App Store sometimes. But if you scroll down on the iTunes page, there's always some sort of collection for relevant um, events. Like if there's like the Olympics or something, they'll have like categories or music around the Olympics. So they'll always have some sort of relevant event category in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it feels like that it is something that Apple have the ability to do, but for whatever reason, they don't seem to do this as much mm. on the App Store.
1: So I have, I have a theory. Could it be that maybe we don't see this kind of uh, timely curation for apps because unlike the music industry, unlike the movie and TV industry, there's not this kind of um, event-based industry behind apps and games. Well, maybe apps. Because for games, I saw that Apple as a as a special section for um, uh, award-winning games when there are specific awards. Yeah, like there's uh, there is a BAFTA. Yes, um, exactly. One at the moment yes. in the UK, so which
0: c- is the British Academy. Um, well, the BAFTA actually stands for the British Academy of Film and Television um, yes. Awards, but it, they do have a BAFTA Games as well.
1: So, could it be that maybe for apps, because there is not like uh, the same sort of, uh, you know, like the entertainment industry? You have events, you have concerts, and personalities. With and, and could it be that maybe for apps, uh, the industry is still so young that Apple doesn't know how to, uh, maybe doesn't need to. Uh, come up with sections every day, every week, new sections constantly. You know, updating them.
0: Yeah, I mean, they probably don't don't need. To, yeah, they probably don't need to have them all the time. But I think I do agree with you. Like that, it would be awesome if they had more curation, or if it just made the curation that they did a little bit easier to find. Mm-hmm. But it it just made me think that it shows that Apple have the ability to do it. Um, and as you say, even it happens in the App Store as well. But Maybe as you said, Federico, they just need to throw more people at it.
1: Yeah, because I mean, curation is only useful as long as you can find it, yeah. and uh, and 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 it's fine when you have a couple of banners on on the front page of the app store. But when you want to to find a a, a specific section that that you remember that Apple once had and and you cannot find it anymore, you completely lose the usefulness of it. So uh, I, I can tell you. Just how many times I uh, I wanted to look for for a section that that I remember that Apple uh, once put on the front page uh, and I couldn't find it anymore. And, uh, <laughs> that's really and, that's so great what work, do you, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so what do you do? You you ca- you cannot search for that section and uh, and and you basically you you have to browse the App Store and and just maybe out of luck you will find it.
0: Four hours later, Federico found it. <laughs> but then, but then it took him twenty-five minutes to press the back button, so we could get back to the. To the oh come on. come on, seriously? Yeah.
2: The um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I I think I think Federico, I think you're right that it. I think part of it is that it's just early still, and and I think part of it is that you know there's not like big cultural events around apps. It's not like there's like expect. Callback URL X callback URL day, you know, like
0: there, there really should, <laughs> yeah. be, and it should yeah, be, and there really should, should be, be, be. be one. Greg's birthday or something.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's not those, you know, those real world events to tie it to. I, th- I think is maybe they struggle with that. You know, like how do yeah. they how do you anchor this in, in the real world? Um, the next piece follow up is from uh, a listener named Jen uh, who wrote in and. Uh, she talks about uh, smartwatches and watches in general, and we spoke—I uh, don't know—weeks and weeks ago about iWatch and like uh, wearables and all these things. And uh, she had a really a good point um, that, in her experience, some industries are actually moving away from marketing items just to women because the design has fallen off, and like that she you know used to wear uh watches uh, a good bit and always got the the men's version because she preferred the design um you know we talked a little bit about that and uh, i thought it was a, a a a good perspective you know that she uh has seen that sort of change over time you know that the men's and women watches aren't maybe separate things anymore at least at least in some regards um I mean, Federico, you know what—that was kind of your kind of your topic. I mean, what do you think about about that observation?
1: Um, I think it's an interesting point because um, I I see I see the point when you when you when you consider a smartwatch just as a as a device, right? Not not as a fashion accessory. I can see why you you may want to 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 think that that Apple is working on just one model. And because I mean, Apple doesn't make an iPod for women. It, they don't make an iPhone for women. It's for everyone. So in theory, if they if they would follow the the iPhone and and iPod model, we will just get a single device. But uh, my my theory and our discussion was that smartwatches and and wearable devices because you wear them, and uh, there is a fashion element, and and, and I think that. Uh, in the fashion industry, of course, you 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 have different kind of accessories or shirts or uh, any other thing that that is for men and for women. So it's difficult to 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 think about this because it's something new and because we don't really know what Apple is working on. So we're just uh, sharing our theories. But if we, I, I think there 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 will be some at least we can consider. A middle ground, and uh, in uh, maybe it will be just a device, maybe it will be a device with, with a fashion component. So maybe there will be a single model, but you will be able to personalize it. To, you know, uh, now I'm thinking I don't know why of <laughs> the old Nokia phones and, and the face plates. For the <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the iWatch is gonna have snap-on plastic plates. Yeah, so you can change I, the color. I wouldn't
1: do that. I wouldn't do that. But maybe maybe there will be some you know some middle ground. Yeah, it will be uh, just a device, but you will be able to to customize it. I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, you know, thinking in in watch terms now, like you can change the band out. You know, you can maybe yeah. do a different color face if it's a screen. I think there'll be room. Uh, for a device like that, for some personalization, you know i don't think you'll be able to go and say, "I want it eighteen millimeters versus twenty. like that's crazy, and that's not Apple style. But I totally think that if they're gonna move into this like fashion accessory watch wearable thing, then I think they've kind of got to offer some options there, and that's in line with what Apple's done in the past. I mean, I joked in the in our document that <laughs> while Apple doesn't make iPods for men and women. Mike bought an iPad or a pink iPod Mini back in the day. Yeah, I really um, did. He really did. And so I think you know that sort of level of personalization, like hey, you can pick a color. I mean, they do that now, right? Look at the iPhone 5C. I can pick a bunch of colors. I can pick a different cases and like mix and match and kind of make my own my own style out of the options that they give. And so I ex- I fully expect to see that sort of level uh, moved you know into this new space if if or when Apple does that.
0: And I and if they do, I will buy a, a pink iPad too. I, I well, know.
1: Mike, you you will buy everything, so it's sure. not really uh. it's not really a a, a surprise anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big boy; I can deal with it.
0: Should we take a break to thank our sponsor for this week's episode? Yes, let's take a moment to thank Arthur and friends over at. Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code Tallyho2. Squarespace are constantly making sure that their platform is up to date with new features, new designs and more support. They have absolutely fantastic, beautiful, fantabulous templates that you can get started with and tons of other style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. You can go in and drag and drop things around the page. You can very, very easily change colors and fonts. And you can really use these sort of tools to to take their beautiful, sort of very clean templates and just add your own twist on it and kind of just make your your website and Squarespace your own everything is drag and drop within Squarespace so it's really easy to add content from your desktop and you can even rearrange elements of content within a page or within the web browser all of these amendments that you make all of the the stuff that you see you see it happen live which is really awesome so you get a feel for how it's all going to look and then when you're ready to commit to the changes you just save it and then they're there straight away, they're just implemented straight away into your site Squarespace makes sure that your site looks fantastic on any device because every single Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. So they feature responsive web design built right in. And one way that you can see how cool this is going to look, if you go to any Squarespace site, you grab the little slider on the edge of your web browser and start form- and sort of dragging it around, you'll see how all of the content starts to reformat itself. And you can see how any of their templates can be made into a mobile template or one for the tablet or something like that. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services so you can have content coming in and push content out. And Squarespace also has their Squarespace commerce platform so you can set up a shop and sell things in just a few minutes if that's what you want to do. And you can now do this on any Squarespace plan. Everything is really easy to use, but they have over 70 employees dedicated to support Squarespace if you need any help, and they're all based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week, and they have super fast email support throughout the day and night. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to do this. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure that you get 10% off and support this show by using the offer code Tallyho2. That's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 2. But just before we finish today, Squarespace are currently looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th. If you are an engineer or designer and you want to work for an awesome team, Squarespace could be the new home for you. They're inviting potential candidates and their spouses to be New Yorkers for the weekend completely on them. So you can go and experience New York life all on Squarespace and go and meet with the team too. So if you want to go and hang out and check in with the cool people over at Squarespace, go check out beapartofit.squarespace.com to learn more. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of 5x5 and their continued support of The Prompt. Correspondence Report. So, gentlemen, as we uh, are about to kick off our discussion about the uh, app stores and developers, we want to welcome a special guest, a correspondent for just a, a short time, and then we have the one and only Mr. David Barnard of Contrast. Hi, David. How are you?
3: Great. Good to talk to you guys.
0: And you, man. Thanks for being here. Did you see how I stumbled for a second to remember the name of your company?
3: Yeah, because I'm I looking still do at that every once in a while.
0: I was like, uh, contrast. So,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have a, You can't change your Skype name apparently, and so yeah, you're probably looking at App Cubby on Skype. So exactly.
0: I didn't want to say that in case you know you didn't want crazy people to know.
3: Oh. <laughs> yeah, everybody talk to me on Skype, AppCubby. Woohoo!
0: So, uh, we have a few things that we kind of wanted to run through with you, um, and maybe I'll kick off because what we wanted to do is we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode. Um, problems that we foresee for developers, but we figured a real great way to frame this was actually to ask a real developer um, who develops a bunch of applications and has been doing this for some time, like yourself, with success, of course, as well, about some of the things that, that's going on. And And you are um, you are someone that is not afraid to share your opinions, good or bad, about the App Store, so we figured you'd probably be a great person for this. Um, yeah, I'm not scared
3: to share my opinions, right or
0: wrong, either. <laughs> exactly. So that's just it's just the way it is, and that's why we love you. Um, when it comes to looking at things like analytics and tools, what, give a very brief break, like sort of uh, breakdown of of what developers get access to from Apple, and sort of what do we think? What do you think about these services and tools?
3: Um, we don't get access to much. Um, we get a basic summary every day of, you know, how many downloads were, were, uh, happened the day before. And, uh, you know, there's, there's tons of great tools like app and app figures that will automatically process that and chart them and stuff like that. And then Apple recently updated iTunes connect, um, to do that as well. And in that update, it, this was like the, the biggest change we've had since, uh, or one of the biggest since, you know, 2008, um, it now shows where they were downloaded, whether it was on a uh, Mac, on uh, an iPhone, or on an iPad. So that that's actually really interesting data. But, I mean, it's the kind of thing you would have expected us to have known, you know, since the very beginning. Um, but, you know, the, the analytics tools are, 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 are pretty minimal. We just don't get much data at all. I mean, I have no idea where my customers are coming from. I have no idea, um, you know, just it's just a big black box mostly
0: what are the sort of things that you'd like to see apple add like what what can they give you and how would they improve not just your business for you but also for the experience that you give for customers
3: oh man that's um a lot <laughs> let's break I it mean, down so what should yeah. they add? What,
0: should, what do you think that they should add
3: Well, um, you know, right off the bat, you know, there are services out there that, that, uh, like Tapstream, that allow you now to track incoming links uh, all the way through to purchase. Um, But those services use fingerprinting and, you know, other things that, you know... I'm not sure I like exposing my customers to. You know, I mean, I, I, personally, I don't like that kind of data logging, and so I don't like putting that kind of stuff in my apps. Um, so I still haven't installed Tapstream. It, it's really fascinating, and I might use it on like Mirror or you know one of the apps that I, I do experiments with. But even with something like Tap, Tapstream, you actually have to have that specific link to be able to track. And so, um, you know, if if uh, posts on on Mac Stories, he, uh, you know he's going to post his own link to the App Store. And so, I, I have no idea how, mu- how much traffic he's sending to the App Store. Um, so, I would love to see some sort of analytics on our end to see what incoming links are uh, are, are driving downloads, and then see you know what percentage of of downloads are coming from search, what percentage are coming from, you know, features and the curation in the store. I mean, there's so many things with, with you know, the kind of analytics that, you know, web businesses have had pretty much since the beginning. You know, we've got our hands tied behind our back. You know, we're running our business with a blindfold on, you know, and again, I mean, there's some ways around certain aspects of it um, through companies like Tapstream, but it's... it's, it's, it's you can measure it when you're you know doing advertising and things like that where you control the link but that's only one little you know window into the app store there's so much more going on um, so that'd be a huge one just from a business standpoint um, uh, David and we- um,
1: let me let me ask you a question do you do you think that there's a reason why Apple is not adding this sort of analytics to to the app store do you think it's just because they are like lazy, they don't have the time to do it, or because they have another reason not to expose that kind of uh, statistics about the app store.
3: Yeah, and that's—I mean—I've thought a lot about that, and you know, it, it's one of those things. It's hard to know exactly what Apple is thinking, and, and kind of analyze all the potential edge cases of of why they think you know giving us that data might be um, a bad idea. Um, but I mean, it's 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 hard to think that helping us run our businesses in that way. It, it, I mean, I, I early on in the App Store, I thought I thought Apple should give us access to you know the account IDs and emails of all the customers. You know, because early on in 2008, I mean, you know, everybody was coming from like Shareware and software was a much more you know developer to customer relationship, much more direct. And so, you know, 2008, it, it was really odd for us to have, like, no relationship with the customer. It was Apple's relationship with the customer, and we just happened to have sold them an app. And and so early on, I thought, oh, you know, it would be really helpful to have the email addresses of customers and things like that. Well, of course, you know, a year later, you know, as the app store exploded, it, it became pretty obvious that that would have been a very bad idea. So I do think there is some level of of, of protection that apple is trying to provide users especially now that the app store is huge and there's so many scammy developers and things like that um so you know there may be some level of that um honestly i i think it's more of a technical hurdle i mean from from how slow things progress on the back end um you know and there's I, i've read some things that seemed um well informed and some that were just complete speculation but you know people have speculated that you know the the entire app store is is built on the iTunes music store and so there's you know all sorts of fields and giant databases that and it's all run on uh from what i understand an oracle back end and so it's just this like massive system and if you think about the app store i mean you know apple's running probably one of the, the largest, if not the largest online stores in the world, you know, the, the billions and billions of transactions, you know, the scale of what they're doing and the complexity of what they're doing is massive. And so if if anything, I think it's more likely that it's a technical reason that, you know, providing me those statistics is not a big deal, but providing, you know, hundreds of thousands of developers those statistics on millions of apps is is probably one of the Bigger data problems that would have to be solved in the world right now. You know, I mean, not many people are working on that scale. So, right, yeah. um, you know that that's probably the most likely answer, honestly.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think an interesting kind of side effect of that of just the, I mean, you're about the massive scale is the problem of search, and we talked a little bit about that last week from the like the end user perspective, like if you know my uh, sister in law wants a Twitter app and she searches for Twitter, like. Uh, there's like no telling which will get back. She'll get the official app, but some really good third-party apps might not be there. Um, and So you know, a lot of apps, uh, you know, will attempt to you know change their long name in the store so there's more descriptive text there. Um, kind of, I mean, do you think that sort of stuff is matters as much as it, as it might on the surface, or do you think that um, kind of good apps will bubble to the top, and maybe the the search engine optimization stuff that's going on really isn't isn't necessary?
3: Well, so in, in my experience with my apps, um, what search does is give you a, a, a long tail. So uh, for, for most apps, you have a pretty big spike in the beginning. And you know, so like with Launch Center Pro, the, the very first week Launch Center Pro was released in uh, June of 2012, you know, it did incredibly well. And to this day, you know, we haven't ever even had a month that was as good as that first week. Um, and I think I, I told Mashable at one point, and i, I don 't remember the exact statistics, but it was something like over fifty percent of the income from the first year of Launch Center Pro being in the app store was made in that first week um So what happens after you um after the press you know starts to uh slow and you know advertising in my experience is is Especially for for smaller apps and for indie developers, it's really hard to make advertising profitable, and so you know we're at a point with competition and uh, competition for eyeballs that it's it's hard for developers to get. Eyeballs to the App Store, and but what's interesting though is, I mean, when when people see certain apps, you know, when Apple features an app, when you know uh, somebody writes up a good blog post about the capabilities, when when those things happen, people buy the app. You know, we see this all the time with Launch Center. When when eyeballs hit. The, the app store page, and you know, of course we don't know, you know, how many or why or when and things like <laughs> right. that. But, yeah. you know, if, if, um, if uh, there's a, a big story on Mac stories, you know, that it, we'll see a little spike. Um, I'm not familiar with Mac stories who writes that website. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the problem is, you know, when, when we get press, um, you know, lots of eyeballs hit our app store page, but then in between that and the next press, you know, what you're depending on is search, and search in the App Store is is one of the easiest way to get free eyeballs to your app, and and so it's a, it's a huge problem in that it's rewarding a lot of apps that don't deserve to be rewarded you know so mm-hmm. your example of twitter it's like you search twitter and you get these like photo apps and like all sorts of random crap that just uses twitter as a keyword whereas if somebody's you know goes to the app store and searches twitter they they, they probably want a twitter app and you know apps like tweetbot and twitterific and you know apps like that showing up high in the results is a good customer experience and of course, it's better for the developers. And so, um, I, I think Apple underestimates how important search is in the App Store for those reasons. Because it's easy to say, "Oh, well, you know, developers need to market their apps. Developers need to, you know, get press. Developers need to, you know, do things outside of the App Store that generate the sales and, you know, create viral marketing and, you know, try and go, you know, all that kind of stuff." And that's all true, but. But those things are, are incredibly hard to maintain. And for mm, yeah. most apps, if they have good search ranking, that provides enough sustainability to, to make it work. But it's really hard to get those good search rankings. Um the search is really heavily weighted to all-time downloads. And so if you have an app that's been downloaded 2 million times, you can pretty much take over a lot of keywords, even if your app isn't as directly related. So like I could, uh, my uh, mirror app has been downloaded 2.5 million times. And so, you know, I could go keyword spam the app store with a bunch of unrelated keywords and show up really high in those results, even though the app's not related. And because those words wouldn't be related, you know, the downloads from that might not necessarily be uh, amazing, but it would probably improve, you know, maybe a 10, 20% improvement. Um, and so that's what tons of developers are doing to get around that kind of stuff. But, you know... It, if search rewarded the if search were better, I mean if the search were just better <laughs> and it rewarded the apps, you know, that, that customers really wanted to find, um, it would help developers tremendously.
1: David, um I wanted to ask you now, kind of going back to the analytic analytics stuff, um, Apple recently acquired TestFlight and the parent company Burstly, And um do you believe that I mean TestFlight was uh, mostly known for their beta app install service for developers, but do you think that maybe there's more to, to this acquisition? Do you think that maybe Apple is considering adding some new analytics service or tools for developers on the app store
3: i've i've really been scratching my head about that one. Um, you know Bursley also did um, monetization, so they had an ad mm-hmm. platform. So it's it's very possible and maybe even probable that Apple bought them to work on the iAd team. Um, so I've, I've tried not to get my hopes up too much, um, but you know, I mean, Apple's known this has been a problem for a long time, and so my 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 greatest hope would be that they've been working on something internally and they're they picked up Bursley to um, you know finish it off, but I mean, you know, from what the rumors were, Bursley was acquired actually back in 2013, and we just found out about it now, uh, but still, that's not a lot of time to solve some pretty big problems, so, you know, I would I would hope Apple had been working on things in that direction, and the Bursley acquisition was to shore up those resources, not to start a new project, uh, you know, because I've really got my fingers crossed for iOS 8, you know, being... Uh, a a shift in the app store.
0: Hmm. So let me ask you, David, in regards to looking at the test flight thing, um, and maybe just with some of the things that you kind of hope that you're going to see in the future for, for analytics over maybe the next couple of years, where do you realistically think that Apple will progress with their analytics tools? Do you think that you're actually going to see more or is a lot of it just wishes and what you do and kind of, what do you expect to see coming down the pipe to help developers?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Having expectations of Apple is, is a fool's errand. Um, I I mean I've kind of gotten to the point with the App Store and with Apple that I just don't actually expect anything. I expect the status quo. <laughs> I mean, you know, I said I've got my fingers crossed for for IOS eight, but that's like, you know, wishful hoping, not like expectations. Um I I, I think Apple, you know, recognizes that as the app store matures, um, you know, they need to continue evolving. and and honestly, I mean, I think since two thousand eight when the app Store first launched, um, I think Apple has kind of been playing catch up in a lot of ways. I don't think they ever really expected it to take off at the level that it did. And then, you know, there was so much to do to scale it to where it's gotten, and it's it's you know, continues to grow you know in a hockey stick pattern and so you know they they've got a lot going on so you know realistically i think that uh, realistically i think they're working on things um, when i see things like what they changed in iTunes connect where it shows us you know breakdown of you know ipad iphone and and, and mac of you know where stuff was downloaded it seems like, well, hey, they're at least thinking about it, but that was like a really tiny baby step. It's mm. like that that's interesting because, you know, for most of my apps, you know, they're hardly ever downloaded on the Mac. You know, it's it's like a you know Three or five percent of downloads are coming from the Mac, so that's that's an interesting statistic to know. But it's not it's not giving me like actionable business data. You know, it's not something that's not something that that's going to change the yeah. way I do business. And what can um, you do
0: with that? Like, it's right. Oh, great! Nothing. Thanks it's, for letting me know. Like, maybe yeah. if you had an iPhone only app and you saw loads of people downloading an iPad version, then maybe you could you could see oh you know maybe people want an ipad version of this app that's kind right, of the only yeah. the only thing that i can see would be a useful data point
3: right exactly and so that's why it's kind of encouraging and discouraging at the same moment because it's encouraging that they're taking steps in the right direction but it's discouraging because it's 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 a pretty small step and and, and not very actionable so so yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, again, I mean, I think they have some massive technical hurdles to to overcome, and so you know that in some ways makes me even more pessimistic. Just knowing from a from a tech standpoint, you know how challenging it would be to to give us more direct analytics. Um, but I'm hopeful that they're doing things <laughs> that they're, you know, when Apple switched from uh, to P, P, PHG or whatever it is for for a uh, um, um, referral links um you know that that was actually really helpful and the new i think yeah PHE performance horizon group they switched from link share to that and you know they're opening up those the, the link program to more countries and things like that and so you know there's there's progress on some fronts and so um you know those those sorts of things are
0: helpful so mr barnard thank you so much for, for jumping in uh with us today and providing some insight into something that, you know, the 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 other three of us don't really have too much experience with at all. You know, this analytics stuff it's all it's all new to us unless I don't know we find out Federico's actually the guy behind Flappy Bird, but <laughs> we've we've yet to work that out yet. So where can people uh find the work that you do and also to kind of keep up with with you and the stuff that you write and things like that.
3: Sure, uh, probably the best place is just on Twitter. Uh, I tweet a lot of random stuff. Uh, D R Barnard B A R N A R D on Twitter.
0: There's a rumor and that you're a doctor. Is that correct? <laughs>
3: that is incorrect. Ah. My middle name, my middle name is Richard. And when I was signing up for Gmail, and you know, whenever it was like 2003, uh, D Barnard was already taken. So you can thank him.
1: Oh. Uh, I always assumed that you were the doctor of apps. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, like, like Dr. Drain. Mm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. Uh, and then you can visit my uh, website contrast.co and uh and then I I haven't posted much lately but hope to get back to it. Uh, my personal blog where I rant about, you know, App Store stuff and other other random bits is uh davidbarnard.com.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, David.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun to to chat about this stuff.
1: So guys, um, I know that I may not be the best person to introduce this topic, but I want to talk about the Mac.
2: Okay. <laughs> which, Mac, which Mac Pro are you going to buy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not about. It's not about the Mac Pro. It's not about trash cans. It's about the Mac App Store. And specifically, I want to, I want to talk about the issues with the with the Mac App Store because it's been three years since the Mac App Store launched in January two th- 2011, and um, and and I think there's a, there's a few points to to discuss when it comes to, to the Mac App Store's future and kind of in a way the broken promise of the Mac App Store for some developers. So the first issue that I want to that I want to, to talk about is uh, sandboxing. Now we know that uh, since Apple has been enforcing uh, this technology for Mac App Store developers, there are, there have been a, quite a few uh, problems. Uh, technical problems, especially for uh, with developers who couldn't figure out ways to to make their apps work with uh, with sandboxing. And um, in uh, have you guys um, in your experience have you have you noticed that maybe uh, some of the apps you use on a daily basis they are not available on the Mac App Store anymore? Maybe they have uh, features removed due to sandboxing. Do you guys still use the Mac App Store LR to to buy apps?
0: Uh I don't know really. I don't know how I feel about it at the moment. Cuz I am kind of starting to feel like developers are moving away from it a bit. I mean there's there's a definite ease to the Mac App Store, right? That it's all there and I can just I know that it's look, one of the worst things in the entire world when it comes to computers is i thought i would narrow that down a, a little bit it's a
2: really big lead into this
0: <laughs> one of the worst things ever to happen in all of history in the last few years is when you get a new computer and then you have to try and find the license codes Now i know one, one password okay i understand i get it everyone one password <laughs> but i've had some apps on my mac for longer than i've had one password and i don't necessarily think to put the software keys in so you Slacker. kind of have to trawl through old Gmail accounts because search doesn't seem to unearth these things and find them. So that's kind of... I, I hate going through all of that, and the Mac App Store does all of that and makes it easy for me. But I have a, my massive problem with the Mac App Store is the updates. I just don't want to be told that I have updates every couple of hours or even every day, which drives me insane. Um, but more than that, the hesitance of developers or developers moving to a point where they want to continue selling independently, which you would never see on the iPhone. People would, you know, there's not, nobody ever asks for independent development, independent sales, but it's continuing to happen on the Mac because developers can't operate their apps in the way that they want when you're looking at things like sandboxing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've definitely have had some apps. Uh, I think text expander is the one that comes to mind immediately. Um, bought the app store version and uh you know now it's not there anymore because of the the sandboxing stuff and they you know it always causes issues with like cross-grading like if you have an app store version can you get the non app store version cheaper and there's but you know a lot of stuff with the omni group uh, we can dig some
1: mm-hmm. urls
2: up about that um i think on the whole i generally buy software independent of the mac app store I think there was a little bit of a phase there where I did a lot of stuff on the Mac App Store, and obviously yeah. for Apple software, like uh, I had to buy a new copy of Apple Remote Desktop because my old version was owned by my previous employer. Uh, you know, bought down the App Store because there's, <laughs> there's not a not choice, right? Like you can't download that from Apple's website uh, and pay them money outside the store. So I think if you know if I were to open the Mac App Store, which on even on Mavericks on a MacBook Air takes like nine minutes because the app itself is pretty crappy. The, uh, my purchases tab is definitely like over the last year or so, definitely skewed towards first party products. And we talked a lot about that last week about how Apple's kind of taken over the charts. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely like if there's a, if there's a third, if if a third party developer has something for sale on their own website, I will, uh, almost always purchase it directly.
0: So a great thing about, um, the Mac App Store is giving me the ability to find those little utilities. That's what I kind of like it for. It's a good place to go and find like a world clock menu bar app or something. That that's, that that's kind of where it works for me, but big applications that I'm going to spend an amount of money on, you know? So how Staying do you find on.
1: those apps, Mike? Because, I mean, do you just... Browse through the Mac App Store, do you use the charts, do you use search? Search, Because I, it, it's not the best experience to, to, to find new apps on, on the App no. Store in general, and especially on the Mac App Store.
0: I mean, I'm only ever going there for things that I know that I'm looking for. So like mm-hmm. a world clock, I mean, it's not massively difficult to find that kind of app, right? You just type in world clock, and it will give you a bunch, and you can kind of just pick the same way as the iOS App Store, right? Again, yeah, it's not amazing, but... Um, <laughs> It's it's it gives you the ability to find that kind of stuff, um, but but yeah, I didn't know where I was going with that. So uh, no
1: I'm uh, nope. I uh, I'm I'm like Stephen here because I went through a phase of you know just buying everything on the Mac App store, and then when when Apple basically got weird with with the sandboxing and and all the delays that they had. Uh, I remember that at one point they said sandboxing is going to become enforced on the Mac App Store on uh, this month, and then it was delayed a couple of times, and and then basically a lot of developers uh, tried to keep their apps on the Mac App Store, but eventually they had to just remove them. and And when I saw that some of my favorite apps like Text Suspender and and Keyboard Maestro, and uh, when I when I saw that a few apps got removed from from the Mac App Store i knew that i i didn't want to invest uh, my money in a in a in a system that would you know was uh, subject to to modification with time because if i purchase an app on 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 you know on, on a website or any other platform i want to make sure that its go- my purchase is going to remain there forever and uh, with the Mac App Store i realized that Due to to Apple's you know technological resi- restrictions and policies, uh, that wasn't the case. So uh, for the past year, uh, I have been buying uh, whenever I can directly from developer websites because uh, I I I know that I that I have to manage my license, uh, and that's a, an extra step that that nobody likes because uh, I mean who 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 likes managing licenses and um, maybe maybe there's a there's like a there's a license fetish i don't know uh i don't know i, I don't think that's the case uh, but someone um, yeah, i'm pretty sure and uh but i uh, but I guess that even if I got that extra step uh I just prefer to well on uh, uh, first uh, give more more money to a developer, so he he gets to keep. Uh, the extra money that that otherwise would go to apple and then I, I i'm just you know i'm just sure that even if i want to download the, the app 2 years from now there's a higher chance that I, that i will that i will get my download so i think that sandboxing has been um has been an issue for developers uh, and uh, and uh, and i believe that maybe going forward um, um, unless apple changes uh you know, uh, uh, their policies on sandboxing and, and the Mac App Store. Apps that are, that that have, you know, the kind of complex functionality uh, like Keyboard Mace or Text Suspender, you know, the stuff that Apple doesn't exactly, you know, promote. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's never coming back to the Mac App Store. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of sad.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I guess... Uh, because if display. you look
1: at the, if you look at the Mac App Store, I'm sorry, Stephen. If you look at the Mac App Store, it it's just like Mike said. It's just basically Apple apps, utilities, and games. And yeah. there's the occasional great app, productivity app like uh, the Omni Group still has apps on the Mac App Store, and I'm, and I'm sure that the Mac App Store is working fine for developers. But maybe my perspective is that when I'm on the Mac. Uh, I tend to use apps that are not possible on iOS and those apps are generally not on the Mac App Store like um, Dropbox or Hazel or uh, Text Suspender, Keyboard Maestro or all the other powerful apps that I enjoy on the Mac, they cannot be on the Mac App Store. And so my, the consequence is that I tend to buy outside of, of the Mac App Store.
2: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at the i mean from apple's perspective you know starting with the iphone um and iphone os 2.0 when the app store was introduced way back in 2008 starting from zero they could basically implement any rules they wanted to right so apps originally there was no multitasking there was no copy and paste there weren't even push notifications apps were very siloed very um independent of one another you know we talk about a lack of inter-app communication that was really the case in 2008 uh and ios has evolved and with ios 7 apps can do more than ever but the mac came from a very different place because its its roots uh go back much further and you had os 10 which is uh basically you know all desktop OSs are the wild west when it comes to what apps can do. And so, in Federico, all the one, all the apps you just rattled off, like I use, and they're powerful. And you know, Apple doesn't have them in the App Store because they tried applying the model from iOS to OS ten, and that just doesn't really work. Uh, you're trying to, you know, cram a square peg in a round hole. Uh, because the Mac came from this background of like I can literally install anything if I want to go find something on GitHub and compile it myself I can do that because it's a, it's a very open environment and you know there was a lot of fear and I feel like it's really died down of you know when Apple introduced Gatekeeper so uh, Gatekeeper in a nutshell uh, you you have to, you can set it where only signed applications work you can even set it where uh only apps from the Mac App Store will run like you can really lock down what applications OS10 will allow to um to run and there was a lot of fear that OS10 was going to become App Store only like iOS you can't run an app on iOS unless it's in the App Store and you know, people were afraid that was going to happen to OS10 and it hasn't come true and I don't think it will I think the Mac App Store is on the whole pretty unhealthy and I think Apple realizes it because those sort of util- those sort of applications that people want um, aren't there. Now is the App store ever going to go away on the Mac? No, I think that it's going to be a permanent fixture in OS 10 in the future. But like Apple has to find that middle ground. And right now with sandboxing the way it is, they've tried pushing iOS limitations onto OS 10. Um, and it just doesn't work. Like it, they're they're too different. They're too OSN is too independent of iOS for that sort of thinking and that sort of model to work.
0: Like the the dream, the ideal of the Mac App Store has not been realized because of this. Like we just assumed that the Mac App Store would come in and it would be the new place that everybody sold apps because it's just going to be just like the iOS App Store. But what actually happened, which hasn't happened with the iOS App Store, is that it was brought in and then scaled back. So the Mac App Store was brought in and then they started to add these layers of restrictions on, which have not been the case with iOS. It's grown with the platform. Yes, some of those restrictions already existed, but maybe if the Mac App Store was always going to be seen as having these restrictions then it would have maybe um we would have been able to understand a lot more about what it was going to be like going in and a bunch of developers never would have would have approached it at all and i think that's why we're getting now more and more developers pull out or they're like changing their strategies now because they're realizing that the bulk of their customers have not changed their buying behavior because not all of the apps that they want will be in the app store. It's not the single place that people think to go. Like if I want, if I want a new app, like when I, when I bought by Maestro, I didn't even, I did, I know it's not in the Mac app store, but it didn't even cross my mind to go and look there. I went to the developer's website and saw what options were available to me and then made hmm. the decision. Mm-hmm. And that's not how I work with the app store. I go to the app store and search for the app. I don't go to the developer's website to then go to the the iOS app store.
2: Yeah. I wonder, yeah, so be- I wonder if Apple views that as a problem. Like, Um, if if you do that, you know, obviously Apple doesn't get the thirty percent cut. And with keyboard, my might be a bad example because it's not sandbox. But let's say, um, what's an app that's on like OmniFocus? Okay, OmniFocus is on the App Store, and you can buy it directly from Omni. Like, if people buy it from Omni directly, do you think Apple views that as bad or as a problem that they need to solve?
0: Because anything they do get is 30% of something rather, you know, rather than what they would have always got, which was 30% of nothing. Now if they get one in ten people, that's something more that they get that they never got before. Does that make sense? Like, apps sell the Mac. So they always make that money. Yeah. If one in ten customers buy from the app store rather than direct from the developer, that's 30% Apple would have never seen before. And For them, I would feel they care a lot more about the safety of the platform and the security of the platform through their channels than they do about losing those potential sales. Because if something bad gets into the Mac App Store, that's a real situation. Because then what do you do? One of the things that you tout far and wide about the security of your platform is being broken down from the inside through a piece of software that comes pre-installed in every Mac, which is the App Store.
1: Yeah, um, what really makes me wonder about the nature of the Mac App Store is that um, there is a tension between the nature of the App Store and I think the reason why people use Macs. And let me explain, because um, the Mac App Store was modeled after the iOS App Store. And on iOS, it's normal to to just open the App Store and look for a simple utility or a simple game that you want to you know you want to to, to spend some free time with and uh, and it's normal it's normal to just open the charts and and browse through browse through the free apps, right? So maybe you see a new messaging app and maybe you see a new utility app, a new game, and uh, on the Mac App Store this is happening because if you look at the charts you see the utilities the problem is that i, I don't think that it's just uh, us that we that we kind of look at the mac as a as a more powerful device because I, I think that it's pretty reasonable to assume that all kinds of people use the mac for work tasks so if you use the mac to to get stuff done if you use the mac for word processing or photoshop or uh, you know, just a little bit of automation stuff, and does that kind of category of apps uh, show up on the Mac App Store? Not always, and uh, because of Apple's restric- restrictions and, and and policies. So the Mac App Store was uh, does work like like the iOS App Store in theory, but in practice, I see this tension between. The simplicity of the app store model, and the fact that the Mac requires, by nature, a more powerful environment for apps, and 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 I believe that it's a, that it's really sad that powerful applications like and and we talked about Texas Pender, Keyboard Maestro, and I'm sure there are dozens of other apps, but even stuff like Adobe Photoshop and 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 the the you know all the CC uh, suite of apps. There are all kinds of apps that are not available on the Mac App Store, and and that's I wouldn't maybe that's not a problem for Apple, but it but it doesn't make the Mac App Store the best place to buy apps, and and maybe and maybe when I think about this, maybe the 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 the, the reason is that the Mac App Store doesn't want to be the best place, right? Maybe the Mac App Store wants to be another option to install apps on the Mac. On iOS, the App Store is the, the only way. And and maybe it also happens to be the best way, and that can be argued. And on the Mac, the Mac App Store is one of the options that you have. And uh, you, can, you can find open source software on GitHub, if you're into that. You can find apps on developer websites, or you can find apps on the, on the Mac App Store. I, I just think that as a consumer, it would be great to have all kinds of apps on the on the Mac App Store. I agree. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad that you agree with <laughs> have me. Have you made your closing <laughs> statement? Uh, this is my closing statement, and and uh, yeah, I have my, my hand on, not on the Bible, but on my iPad, and uh, yeah. Oh, that's
2: All in favor, say aye. Aye. <laughs> aye. So I think we want to round out the discussion uh, talking about reviews. Um, and we talked, I mean, we touched on it last week, you know, that you know, Federico, you and I don't really write reviews in the App Store unless it's like I do it for jokey apps, you know that our yeah. friends. It are was funny in. when <laughs> I was
0: listening to you guys. I was getting really confused. And <laughs> cuz Steven, I heard you say like I don't write reviews. And I was like, "Hang on. <laughs> what?" <laughs> I, I was just getting really confused cuz I was I was thinking about like reviews for your website as right. opposed to reviews in the, store. in the store. Well, it's not
1: it's not really Steven writing on his website. Oh yes, the other guy. It's, it's a it's a cover up. Yeah, it's that other guy.
0: Who, who is writing on five twelve? Just what's your theory? <laughs> There's some. It's not you. It's not Mike. Have you not heard this this theory before? No. no. Okay. We'll take. What,
2: happen- what is happening? So developers, you know. So uh, I have an app. Hypothetically, I don't say I have an app. Uh, let's shut our eyes and pretend that I have an app <laughs> and. And We're someone leaves down the street together. Yeah, Imagine yes. In your hand. Disney bags in hand, and I <laughs> haven't, you know, negative reviews. There's no way for me as a developer to directly respond to those reviews, and I don't really don't want to get into the culture of or into the conversation of like the culture of reviews and how like people will like one star things for like no reason or poor reasons or like reviews that show up because of a user stupidity, like they can't find the button. <laughs> I don't envy developers having to live and die by these things um but the the fact that a developer can't respond to a review is um it seems problematic to me as someone without really a a dog in the fight and uh sometime last year i think google the google play store added this where a developer can go in and respond to reviews and what do you guys think about it? do you think that it would be helpful if a developer could say hey look you know let me reply to this and you know, maybe it's a customer service opportunity. Like, hey, yes, the button is here. I'm sorry you were confused by it. Like, what do you guys think about that?
1: I think that it would get messy easily. Yeah. I I, I think that and I have not seen how Google does it on Android. Uh, so I'm just going to assume. I think that it will basically turn into uh, like a forum board. Like people yelling at each other. Like if a user thing uh, says, uh, this app doesn't do uh, what is advertised on the product page. And if the developer responds, uh, what if the user writes back and says, oh my God, are you calling me stupid or something? And maybe because usually if you give people the ability to type on the internet, they're going to fight. Usually, and uh, <laughs> especially when they are strangers, and especially when there is money involved. So I don't know, Mike. Tell me how what is going on with uh, the possibility to respond to reviews on the Google Play Store.
0: I like that you throw to me as official Android correspondent. Yeah, well, because
1: you are. So
0: well, basically, it just allows for a developer's response. I believe, I believe, to show up as like a threaded reply. So let's say that um Stephen Federico's left a bad review on Stephen's app. Oh, what um, a jerk. And it's just like one star, not enough Mac stories or something. Um <laughs> then you'll see like a like a threaded reply that you can publish. Um I, I, so do yeah. people
1: actually fight over these, uh, well,
0: these replies? I've not read them, but I'm going to assume that in most cases, well, in in many cases, yes. I mean, because so next you,
1: week, next week, Mike, I want you to find the best fights on the Google Play Store. This is quite a, quite a task that
0: you're requiring. I'm, I'm
1: pretty sure that it will be easy. Come on, people fight all the time. Let's look for Stephen's app in the Google Play Store. See if it's in there.
0: But yeah, I mean, if there is a an element where I feel like responses to this stuff are important. And maybe it would be best if um, you could maybe respond privately. But no matter how you do it, the the reply will always end with, hey, we'd love it if you could change your review. And then at that point, it's kind of like, eh. Do you know what I mean? Like All exchanges will end with, please change your one-star review now. And then it's yeah. kind of a bit like, yeah, well.
1: I think that maybe it, it wouldn't be too absurd to imagine a system that maybe you can leave a review only if you used an app for quite a while. And now let me just put out a crazy theory. Uh, You know, TestFlight had a... I'm pretty sure that they had a feature called Checkpoints, which basically lets you, uh, as a developer, it let you... Monitor whether a, a user reached a certain point inside an application. So let's say that Stephen built his app and uh, and, and uh, he implemented the the checkpoint feature. So he, uh, if I if I if I were a tester for Stephen, uh, I uh, he would see that maybe I reached the I don't know the detailed view of uh, of an item, or maybe that I opened the settings for the first time. So would it be crazy to think that maybe people could only leave a review if they actually used an app? Because I, I, my, my guess is that a lot of people just download an app, uh, tap around for 10 seconds, They, for some reason they decided they don't like it and they leave a bad review. Would it be crazy to think that maybe Apple is working on, a, on, on some way to ensure that a review is left only if you actually tried an app? Would that be a solution? To a lot of these angry people saying, oh, dear, your app doesn't do what it, what it says it should do.
0: Um, That would be great. I hope that if Apple start doing things like that, then they will implement um, they will take another cue from Android and implement the refund mechanism that Google has, which is very smart. Are you guys familiar with the refund mechanism in Android? Yes. For anybody that isn't um, if you delete an app within, I think it's 15 minutes now, you you do not pay for it. You get refunded. So that that whole idea of I've downloaded an application, oh, it's actually not the one I wanted, or you open it and be like, oh, no, this is terrible. You delete it <laughs> from your phone, then you get refunded. I've I'd never understood why Apple doesn't implement something like that. It feels like it would really help with customer service and reviews. It just feels like a positive move for developers.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it could definitely, like, that will pacify a lot of people in a bad situation, I think. Yep. Like, you know, as opposed to, I spent $2 on your thing, and it stinks, and I'm going to... You
0: stole my money.
2: Yeah, yeah, because that's what the developer did. He came to your house and took your money, Mm -hmm. uh, a whole $2. Like, and we haven't even talked about, like, how people get upset over the smallest amounts of money, but I don't want to get into that. Um, But, Mike, I think you're right. Like, if they, if Apple were to open this up... Um, there's definitely a lot of room for abuse. And and Google, for what it's worth, tries to head that off uh, in their Android developer documentation. They've got, like, four rules about commenting as a developer. It's like, make it clear and relevant, you know, talk directly ab- about the complaint. Uh, be nice, don't burn bridges, don't abuse people. Uh, don't solicit or promote... Um, and keep it clean. Don't post content that is sexually explicit or contains profanity. So, you shouldn't call your, your users' names, which seems like a good idea. So,
0: I've been digging around hit- for a few minutes. Sorry, Stephen. And I've been looking for some stuff. And this is actually really helpful. And the, this may be obvious to everybody else. But the reason that I'm finding this helpful, I'm trying to find arguments, Federico. I can't. Everybody seems like they're being really nice. What it shows is because the way that Google has this, I'm looking at it on the web, is they kind of have like a a separate box that pops out in a little color and it looks like a speech bubble that comes out of the review that's left by somebody. But what it does is if people have crazy opinions about an application, it allows you as the future purchaser to see a clarification because sometimes it's wrong. Yeah, sometimes yeah. people are wrong. So like some people are like, oh, I can't do this. And they're like, well, if you actually tap this button and this button, you'll see that you can. And that allows me as a as a purchaser of the application to not have that sort of concern. Or like, for example, some people are saying in some apps, when are you going to add this? And nobody's coming in the next version. So then you can kind of feel confident in knowing that sort of information. So that there, there are quite significant benefits to
1: a system like that. So you're telling me that there are nice people, believe it or believe not, Federico. There are nice people that, in the world. I'm pretty sure that's that. that that's that, flinging. There incorrect. is a. <laughs> there, there's going to be a fight somewhere, and it's going to be bad.
0: Yeah, I just I. <laughs> I don't know how deep I need to go into the Android App Store, just the Google Play Store. Sorry to find to find that. That fight. <laughs>
2: Interesting, Interesting stuff. You know, I think I think that. The moral of the story is that there's a lot of different things Apple could do. Um, you know, we've, t- we've now spent you know over two hours talking about things that Apple could do between last week and this week, and I think it's really important to remember that they haven't done much since 2008. That the App Store is structurally basically the same.
1: Yeah, and let's keep in mind that, that iOS 7 is still crashing. Yep. for people Shh. so maybe hey they got the maybe. SSL thing fixed what do you want so maybe you know it's the, we talk about stuff that Apple should do but maybe what they must do is to make sure that the actual OS is stable and fast
0: every day multiple times a day yeah yeah
1: yeah that's that's the um. maybe we should talk about this next yeah. week it's basically um, six months guys since the public release of iOS 7 oh, has it been that long yeah It's going. It's going to be six months, uh, uh, in 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 a couple of weeks. And
2: no seven point one in sight. Um, It'll be released tomorrow, I'm sure. Now that we've said that, (laughs) yeah. According to the first rule of the prompt. Um, So yeah, I mean, I I don't ever like, you know, I would like to talk about this too in the future. People get like super amped up before WWDC, like Apple's gonna change everything. Like no, they're not. Apple rolls slowly, Um, and. I think that's especially true in the App Store. When you have an, uh, an ecosystem that's that big with that many users with that much money flowing through it, it's hard to change things. Because the reality is, guys, like we can sit here and complain about it all day, which we have, and those complaints are legitimate. The App Store works. It makes money for a lot of people, and it makes Apple's platform extremely valuable. And so it's I think there's a little bit in there of if it's not broken don't fix it and i don't like that i don't like it but i i I think that maybe that's you know part of of cupertino's thinking
1: yeah but you see that's right that's right and that's the problem because the app store is moving so much money and that maybe if if it's not broken don't fix it but the problem is that we like to think of apple as the company that sweats the details and that likes to to always uh, roll and, and improve things, and they're not because it's uh, there's they're spread so thin that they not get one thing perfect. Like mm-hmm. can, I mean, maybe on the on the hardware side, uh, we can make arguments about the current iPhones and iPads being close to perfection, but on the software side. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I cannot call any Apple software or app or service perfect or close to perfection or even moderately good. It's actually <laughs> on the on the line of decent to to problematic. So uh, that that's my problem because yeah, you're right. The App Store makes money, and and people are are happy with it, and because people download millions of apps, but it's easy to because well, these problems may may appear as uh, small problems, but if you ignore them long enough, they're going to you know they're going to become bigger problems, and then you're going to end up in ten years with with an absurd that never changed, and and now you do not what to do anymore. Uh, that's my that's my uh, pessimistic view.
0: Well, on that happy note. If you'd like to catch the show notes for this week's episode of The Prompt, go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 37. If you'd like to uh, get in contact with the show, you can find the contact button on the prompt page on 5x5, and that will send an email over to us. And you can also hit us on Twitter as well. We are at underscore the prompt. If you'd like to catch up with what Federico does online, he is at Vittici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter, and he writes over at maxstories.net. Mr. Stephen Hackett is at ISMH on Twitter, and he writes at 512pixels.net. And I am I Mike I-M-Y-K-E, on Twitter, and I host a bunch of shows on the glorious 5x5 podcasting network. I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. I want to extend our thanks again to Mr. David Barnard of Contrast uh, for joining us for for some of the episodes today. And, um, gentlemen, unless we have anything more to add, I will say goodbye.
1: Yeah, say goodbye. I just did. Goodbye. Adios. (laughs) Adios. Nice.